This is Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, a podcast which is all about creating a conversation and awareness for the one in nine endo warriors in Australia who battle with this debilitating disease. I'm one of them. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs and I'm a proud ambassador for a charity who is all about creating awareness and raising funds for research and education. It's called Endometriosis Australia. Now, part of that crew is the Clinical Advisor Committee on it, Dr. Mike Armour. He is an amazing research fellow who's based at Western Sydney University and recently his study made headlines. I'll read you one of them. The high cost of endometriosis. One in six women with endo have lost their jobs due to the condition. That was just one of many media stories that have been spoken about over the past couple of weeks from this study. You know, according to it, not only one in six have been fired from endo, but also found that 31% of endo warriors have been passed over for promotions due to this illness. We're going to talk about the findings from this study and all things around endometriosis with the absolutely wonderful, I love talking to this man, Dr. Mike Armour. Enjoy. Thanks for having me back, Ellie. Always a pleasure. Now, this study I've seen pop up on the Facebook and Instagram feeds. It's got a lot of talk around it. Uh, It's got a lot of workplaces talking as well. Tell us all about it. Okay, so we did a study a couple of years ago with the support of uh, Endometriosis Australia. It was one of my very first research projects back when I was still a baby. We found that um, amongst all the other data we got, we actually had quite a few people reporting that they'd lost their job or that they'd had to change their working hours. And, and you know, we reported that in one of our papers, but, you know, things like that, you know, they, they often get a bit overlooked. And But it was something we kind of knew was happening. And then what happened was um, during COVID, um, we had Donna and the team from Endometriosis Australia reached out uh, to Professor John Wardle and I and, and said, you know, this was something they were interested in doing at the time when, you know, code was changing everything. It was kind of a perfect storm to see what the impact of workplace changes would be like, um, you know, because obviously without COVID, we wouldn't really be able to say to people, hey, you should work from home and, and see if that helps. Mm. So it was just a natural experiment, I guess, um, that we were like, oh, this, I wonder if this will have helped. Um, and that's how it all came about, really. And so we um, designed the survey in conjunction with Endometriosis Australia. And, and then we really uh, were looking at, firstly, pre-COVID, what had people's experiences been? You know, so had they, you know, what, what did they feel had happened? Had they been passed over promotion? Had they been fired? Um, Had they spoken to their boss about it um, and, you know, what had been the outcomes for that. And then we also said, you know, um, now that COVID's happened, what changes have um, taken place, if anything, and how have those affected both your endometriosis symptoms and your ability to work? And that was really the key thrust of it. And then the final part was now that I guess, you know, we're expecting things to go back to quote unquote normal, what are the things that we need to take forward? You know, what can we learn from, you know, what happened during COVID and how might we be able to incorporate that, you know, into the new workplace to support those with endometriosis? So 389 endo warriors from across Australia responded to this survey. And from that, there is some really astounding facts. I think the one 
that shocked me the most was that one in six endo warriors have lost their jobs due to endometriosis. And when I heard that, and then I sat down and I remember looking through various messages that I've gotten over the years on social media from people with endometriosis. And there was a lot of them saying, I've lost my job or I've had to quit because I just wasn't able to work. Did that stat shock you at all, Mike? I guess no. The, probably the reason for that is that this was really similar to the previous statistic that our research from 2017 um, captured. It's just that we, it was just, like I said, it was part of a huge data set. And we, yeah. we looked and went, like, oh, that's not good. But it, we never really, you know, trumpeted it. Um, but it's very, very similar. Um, and so I think it, it doesn't surprise me. Also, we've done a lot of focus groups for different things with endo warriors over the years. And it's come up, you know, every time we talk about work, people, you know, talk about, you know, they being fired or, if they're not fired outright, they're, you know, they're managed out or they're pressured to quit. And I, I remember one of the people in one of our clinical trials, actually, I remember speaking to them and, you know, they were, they were in so much pain. You could see, you know, when the, the pain hit, they went white, like white, white and sweating. And, you know, it's pretty hard to um, pretend you're in that much pain. Mm. Like they were just you know, having a flare. I remember them telling me that their their boss was just like, no, you know, it's it's just power through it. And, you know, I had period pain too. And you should just, you know, it shouldn't affect you this way. And, you know, maybe you're just overreacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess no, in a in a cynical way, it didn't didn't surprise me too much because I think it reflected the anecdotal conversations that I'd had as well, you know, with people about the impact of endo on their on their lives. So I'd love to go through each of the areas of research that you found. So first up, raising the issues in the workplace. What was the stat on that? I think what we found was 64% said that they felt judged when they tried to manage their symptoms and they felt like they had to hide that. What was interesting was about two-thirds had spoken to their employer about their endometriosis and how it was affecting their work. And what was great from that, two-thirds said they got a positive response Mm. from the employer. So that's fantastic. And that's obviously reflecting their current employer. You know, so when we talk about this one in six roughly who were, who'd lost their job, Mm. I mean, these are obviously things that had happened in the past. So hopefully what this is suggesting is that workplace employers now are being more understanding. Um, But unfortunately, you know, somewhat depressingly, still one third said that they got a negative response. Um, And some, you know, almost 10%, one in 10 said they didn't actually feel like they could talk about their endometriosis at work because they felt uncomfortable. So I think that, you know, when, when they're able to talk about it, um, mostly those are positive interactions. Um, but, you know, there's still so much stigma um, around being able to speak about it. Absolutely. Um, and you, it, you may have, a, it all depends who your management is as well. I find I've got really understanding male managers. At first I was like, oh, I don't know how to bring this conversation up because it is such a, a women's business, so to speak. Then when I spoke yep. to them, they really were extremely empathetic. They wanted to know more and they just said, all right, what do you need from us to do? And that was such a big 
relief off my shoulders because for quite a long time I was like, oh, how do I even broach this conversation? So, but then I have heard the other flip side is that there are endoboros who have had female managers and they've been the opposite and they'll say, oh, you should go and harden up and take some Panadol. You'll be absolutely fine. Periods are meant to be painful. So it really, um, I think that it's all about creating awareness and for people in a higher position to have an understanding moving forward as to what could be going on for their employees. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of this, like you've said, is not not all male um, bosses are going to be amazing and mm. not all female bosses are going to be terrible. You know, sometimes the reasons for those things are not black and white either. You know, some we've heard some male bosses are kind of like, well, you just have whatever you need because I don't want to hear about your, you know, which, you know, on one hand you're like, well, that's good, but not really mm. um, because I think it's, um, you know, it might be beneficial in the short term, um, but, you know, perhaps not in the long term. And I think a big part of this is around this normalisation of um, menstrual pain. Uh, you know, this is a real, I think this is one of the things where, especially with um, perhaps, you know, female bosses is, is an issue where there's this idea that pain is this kind of homogenous entity. Um, and like I mentioned to you um, before the this podcast, you know, I get headaches on a regular basis and my headaches are pretty bad. I'd rate them about a seven or eight out of 10, you know, so when I've got them, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, um, lying in a dark room kind of thing and I've had people say oh why don't you you know go for a walk or have a glass of water that's always gets rid of my headache and um obviously we've got the term headache but we're talking about very different extremes and I think the same thing happens in you know period pain is that you know some people have had some period pain and they are like well you know it was it was annoying but you know it was okay and you know they're kind of lumping you know all period pain in together you know so if I've had period pain you know everyone else who's having period pain their period pain is going to be similar to mine yeah and obviously on and you know on one extreme we've got most people probably do have some period pain we know how common it is but for most people it's probably relatively mild you know and manageable with some heat and maybe some ibuprofen and then on the other hand, extreme you know you've got a lot of people with endometriosis who are you know vomiting at work they're passing out in the bathroom so yes every, both extremes have period pain but treating them as the same thing i think does endo warriors a, a severe disservice you know because it's not it's, it's, it's not the same at all. Mm. And also just trying to be empathetic about the situation. I did have one male boss just say to me, oh, you know, you should go and kind of get over this SHIT and it's you know, yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, sorry, that's not going to help me feel any better about myself. You know, that then contributed to anxiety. Then you've got the mental health issues that go around it. So it really is this evolving beast where just hopefully, you know, in future from having a, a study come out like this, that bosses will be much more understanding around endometriosis. We'd also love to know with COVID, the silver lining has been being able to work from home and being more flexible. What did you find with the research on that? So what we found was that the majority of um, people did have some kind of change due to COVID. So almost 70% said that they changed their workplace or their employment arrangements had changed. And, you know, like most of us, the majority of those changes were working from home um, for all or at least some of their normal working hours. And so, again, perhaps unsurprisingly for those with endometriosis, 
this made a big difference with the management of their symptoms. So we had over 75%, almost 80% said their symptom management was either somewhat or much easier during COVID. Only 20% said about the same and less than 2% said it was worse. So, you know, you have an overwhelmingly positive, I guess, if COVID can be considered positive, <laughs> this was the I suppose, for many with endometriosis, was being able to manage at home. Mm. And probably, I guess, for employers, the benefit for them is that, again, about almost 65% said they were more productive mm. because of this. Only 26% said they were about the same. And very few, a minority, under 10% said they were less productive. So, you know, these these changes help. I mean, there seems to be a very clear, you know, correlation between their management of symptoms and their productivity. I was one of those people who worked from home yesterday. I woke up in the wee hours of the morning with an endo flare up. I was nauseous. There was the cramping. It was like, I'm not going to go to work today. Ellie is working from home. So I messaged my boss, Jack, at 6am and he said to me, don't, don't switch online. Just stay home, rest up, do what you need to. But I'm one of those people who's like, nope, I'll still work. So I sat on the couch with a hot water bottle on my belly. I had dogs either side of me being my nurse, a hot cup of tea, and I was able to just sit there in my jammies, be comfortable, and still do a little bit of work while having that endo flare-up, which has really been a blessing in disguise. Thank you very much, COVID, for opportunities like that, because I don't think a couple of years ago I'd be doing that. Yeah, and I think this was, you know, one of the things that when when we asked people what was important, it was those kind of things that you're talking about, flexibility um, and some freedom in the time management, you know, so um, being able to shift things slightly, um, you know, if you if you wake up with a flare, can you shift your nine o'clock meeting to later? Can you start later, you know, um, can you let your painkillers kick in first, but also um, the other thing which was really important for most people was um, physical aids, you know, being able to use a heat pack, um, having a more comfy chair. Uh, you know, I guess we didn't ch check all of this, but exactly like you say, can you grab your laptop and lie on the couch with the heat pack on um, and work that way? So these these kind of things are were, I think, relatively simple. I mean, you know, I'm saying this as someone who doesn't have endometriosis, but I think from what you're saying, that they're not, you know, it's not rocket science, I mm. guess. You know, being able to take some time to let your symptoms settle and work as productively as you can seems to be pretty logical to me. Absolutely. And of course, not everyone will be in that scenario where in their work, they are able to work from home. I just saw on the Endometriosis Australia Facebook page, uh, Francesca did comment saying that she's a childcare educator and does have to take the sick leave on average three to four a month due to the endometriosis. So, you know, there is that one extreme to another as well. And I suppose it's highlighting for people, for example, in the childcare industry, or maybe you're a nurse who's on their feet, um, that bosses should be more understanding towards those people going through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is not a perfect solution. Mm. You know, working from home um, isn't, isn't perfect, you know, and it's not going to work for many people. Childcare, um, if you're a dentist, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, 
you know, a plumber, an electrician, working from home is not possible for everybody. Um, you know, so I think we've still got a lot of work to do mm. uh, to be able to manage the broad spectrum of jobs that um, people with endometriosis do. Now, I have seen this figure thrown around previously. I know the National Action Plan through the government did mention it, but how much does endo cost in the workplace? Have you been able to find out some more figures around that in this research? So not this research, but we did publish, I think, a pretty important paper about two years ago. um, And we found that it was about 9.7 billion Australian dollars per year um, that endometriosis cost. And most of that um, is uh, workplace productivity. About 70, I think 74% of that cost was workplace productivity. And it breaks down until about... Uh, a two about sorry about just uh, so about thirty thousand dollars per person with endometriosis per year yeah. is what the cost. Wow, that just blows my mind every single time I hear that figure. To think like there needs to be change happening, and hopefully from the research that you've done, Mike, we'll be able to get more changes um, in future. Now, other important interventions that you did identify when it comes to workplace and endometriosis. You did. Uh, we both spoke about the, the heat packs. That's always a handy thing, being able to sit on the couch with a laptop. What other benefits did you discover for interventions when it comes to endo worries in the workplace? But that was, I mean, those were the most important. Uh, I think that's important to say just because people are not asking for unreasonable or outlandish or anything, you know, that we would be like, wow, you know, that that seems excessive. They are mostly asking for those things. Mm. Um, the, the ability to manage their own time, start later, finish later, you know, we'll take a break in the middle of the day if they have pain, get up and move around, you know, um, and, and those... Um, you know, those physical aids, the heat packs, the comfiness. Um, I mean, other things which were important, which they would like from their employer, which again is all very reasonable, is some healthcare support, you know, being able to get access to healthcare services and healthcare teams through their workplace. But those were probably the most, um, those were the most important things that we found. In my company, Southern Cross Australia, they've started to uh, offer us some various health benefits, which is absolutely fantastic. A lot of emphasis on mental health. But another thing too, here in the office I work in, they actually now supply sanitary items for mm-hmm. staff, which I just thought this is this is the way of the future. The fact that, you know, they're not actually, they're going, oh, periods. Like it's now a conversation which we're having. And yeah, it was like... Wow, it's 2021 and I'm getting excited about there being free tampons and pads in the office. Like, what does this world become? I think that that's, you know, the the provision of period products now is, it's it's really been interesting. It's become so accepted so quickly, I guess. And, you know, overall, which is Mm -hmm. great. I remember when I first started researching period pain and endometriosis, Back in 2012 is when I started, and I always used to joke that I couldn't talk about my my PhD research at the dinner table because everyone would get weirded out. And I'm so pleased that this conversation, I mean, we've still got a way to go, mm. but it's it's not as taboo as it was before. Um, and there's been a lot of work, I know, in, over the years by many fantastic researchers and advocates, you know, and champions like Endometriosis Australia and other um, academics and and um, you know feminist activists, um, which is fantastic. But yeah, you know, I think you know, as far as I know, there's some great 
you know, Share the Dignity and Pixie and mm. some of these other companies are doing some great work. And I'm working with a couple of really fantastic researchers at Western Sydney University, um, Dr. Sarah Duffy and Dr. Michelle O'Shea, who are doing a lot of research into, you know, the importance of, you know, having access of, to period products at schools, universities and workplaces. So it's, 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 it's happening. Were there any sh- other shock findings that you found while doing this research for Endo in the Workplace? I guess mostly I was shocked about, you know, kind of coming back. I was really shocked that, that the things that made a difference were relatively easy to implement for many businesses, mm. you know. So I, I guess that's really the the shocking finding was some stuff which I would consider, and obviously I'm, you know, I don't run a business, um, but for many businesses, being able to um, provide a bit of workplace flexibility, saying, you know, you can start later and finish later, or, you know, you can take a break in the middle of the day, or, you know, you can make your, you know, you can schedule your meetings around when you think you need some um, some downtime. They're relatively small compared to the fact that, you know, we know that endometriosis causes a big hit in workplace productivity, you know, and not just productivity, but, you know, having to take that time off, like, um, you know, you mentioned the person on the, um, the Facebook group, you know, having to take four days off a month. And they are in the average, from memory, it was about 4.5 days per month, everyone with endometriosis takes off from work. And that bleeds your sick leave dry, really. You know, so if we can, if we can, you know, avoid those sick days on the days where people might be able to work like you, you know, um, do they feel okay enough to, you know, um, take their pain management, whatever that is, pop a hot, hot pack on and work. It's not ideal, but, you know, can that save some sick leave, you know, so that people are not, you know, their pay packets not being hit, you know, four or five days a month is a lot of money to lose for a lot of people. Absolutely. And, you know, you don't want to be in a scenario where they tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, look, you're you're about to run out of sick leave because that will just add, add stress to you. And that's the last thing that you need when you're going through a chronic illness like endometriosis. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is, you know, these are all... You know, when you've got a chronic illness, like you say, the last, you know, you, you've got only so many spoons or however you want to, um, you know, to talk about, you know, your your um, capacity and, you know, being having financial stress on top of, you know, um, managing your symptoms. And for many people then, you know, juggling childcare and all the other things and the fatigue that endometriosis brings, you know, um, needing worrying about where your rent or your mortgage payment is coming from, you know, is, is the last thing you need on top of everything else. I think what I'd love for people to do if they are listening to this and they're nervous about having a conversation with their employer around the fact that they have endometriosis or they're not getting the support that they'd like or the boss is like, I have no idea what this is, doesn't show any interest, endometriosisaustralia.org. If you go to the resources link, then there's a whole bunch of different fact sheets there, including just one around what is endometriosis, how is it diagnosed, what's the treatment, exactly what warriors are going to be going through. Print out something like that. There's 10 endo facts. Walk into the boss's office, put that on their desk and go, right, read this and this will give you more of an understanding as to what I'm going through. Let's have a conversation after you read this. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, Ellie. You know, um, I think some some employers may have no idea. You mm-hmm. know, obviously there's been a great amount of 
public awareness in, for endometriosis in the last few years, but not everybody. Not everybody's going to know. Those fact sheets are great, and they might just need to understand that to be able to put them in the place in a place where, you know, they can understand really the wide ranging impacts that endometriosis has. Because I think a lot of people perhaps still think of endometriosis as a bad period. Yeah, and obviously that would be nice if that was the case. Or you just get a boss who just straight away goes on to Dr. Google and sees some weird and wacky thing that is not true about endometriosis. At least you know on the Endometriosis Australia website that it's the facts, it's the right content that you're going to be sharing with someone and it's not just some light and fluffy page that's just full of BS. Exactly. And unfortunately, you know, it's amazing that this is still around. I still see it all the time. And, you know, I know people at EA and um, and myself and others, you know, when news stories come out, we're often shocked. They still don't get it right. Mm. You know, it's quite amazing. You know, when we do have these quality resources out there. Um, so sometimes it's just about educating people, even if you think that they should already know. And if you're not getting the right support as well, if your workplace is being difficult, WorkSafe Australia um, have got some amazing tools as well for endometriosis warriors. So that page you can get to from the Endo Australia website too. So it's the number one resource for everything when it comes to, to workplace and endometriosis. Mike, thank you so much for talking about the research that you have discovered. Um, well done to you because I know you've been working on this over the past couple of years and it really is fantastic to see those stats like in, you know, one in six, one in 10, you know, and you can give that to someone and people now go, oh, okay, we need to do something about this in the workplace. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm, I'm so pleased that this is out there and, you know, each, each piece of research just, you know, it's all part of, you know, building the, the case that we need so much more funding, so much more support for this. If one thing I could say is that, you know, like I said, it's about 9.7 billion Australian dollars per year. That's about $24 million a day, just to wow. put it in perspective. And there's been about $20 million in, in funding for endometriosis over the last three years. So less than one day's productivity loss, basically. So I know researchers were always begging for money, but, you know, we just need, this needs to be so much more investment, um, not just in research, but in, you know, support, you know, being able to provide, you know, making sure everyone has health, you know, the, the health care they need, um, you know, access to um, the right resources access to multidisciplinary healthcare teams. I mean, there's so much that, I mean, the, what we've done is a great start, but, you know, we have so much, for, so much further to go. Mike, keep up the good work. We love you here at Endometriosis Australia. And uh, I look forward to seeing what research you're going to be working on next. Thanks, Ellie. Thank you so much to Mike and all of the researchers who took part in that and to those people as well who actually went and completed that survey. Such important information to share and to get those stats out really has, once again, continued that conversation for endometriosis in the community. Now, you would have heard Mike talking about the importance of funding to actually do research, because from research, that's how they're going to find a cure one day. Endometriosis Australia is all about raising money for this, so you can make a donation. Endometriosisaustralia.org, the place to do so. Any bit of money that you're able to give, small or big, we really do appreciate it on behalf of the team at Indo Australia. Thank you so much. Thank you again for tuning into this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, give it a five-star review. 
leave some comments. It helps to let others know that there's a conversation and podcast around endo. We love you so much for listening. Take care. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Bye.